Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mike Shook with Teneo Hospitality. Really excited to be here to talk about the present and future of our meetings industry. To do that, we assembled a who's who in our industry, a great panel, and I'd like to take a moment to introduce our panel to you. First is Alex Murphy. She's the Senior Director of Site Selection for Meeting Expectations. Then we have Chris Rossi, Managing Director of Banking and Private Equity, New York Sales with Delta Airlines. Also today, we have Tim Outbaum, who is the CEO of Vario Productions. April Storms, Corporate Director of Sales and Marketing, SH Hotels and Resorts. Last, but certainly not least, we have Brad Williams, who is Managing Partner, Platinum DMC Collection. As the past 12 months have been indescribable, we find ourselves coming to the end of the first quarter with much more optimism and hope. When we speak to our hotels, it's been all about which state they're residing, and as to the performance of the property, with Florida, Texas, Arizona, and Nevada leading the way with unprecedented leisure demand. As more states continue to open up and are less restrictive for group events, the number of vaccinations, COVID-19 statistics are significantly improving. Within the last two months, Teneo has seen a significant uptick in its RFP sent to our members, and planners that were holding the pen are now using it to sign. As a matter of fact, yesterday marked a day where we sent more RFPs than any other time since COVID began in 2020. We have a lot to be optimistic about, and the present is really what we're going to focus on at the moment. While we're seeing this positive trends that are taking place, also wanted to talk to some of our panelists. And first up is Chris Rossi, and wanted to ask Chris with Delta Airlines about the macro view at Delta, trends as of late, and is there some movement taking place in the meeting side of the business? Thanks, Mike. And at Delta, we share that optimism as well. And it's really been based on a, an increase in bookings that we've been seeing and in travel over the months of the pandemic. Certainly as restrictions have been lifted and, and requirements for travel have been eased a little bit state by state, we've certainly seen a growth in bookings. And really, as we move through the pandemic, we've seen uh, shifts from essential travel only at the beginning of the pandemic through the midway point to that being um, joined by people traveling to visit friends and relatives, also now to take vacations as well. Corporate travel has really consisted of essential industries traveling, healthcare industries, transportation industries, and, and more recently, the media industry traveling as productions have started up. So we've seen some real nice growth there. We're bullish about the rest of 2021. Growth has mainly been in the, in the domestic sector. We think international travel will come back towards the tail end of 2021. And in meetings and incentives, we've also seen a renewed interest in in-person meetings, particularly for new hires and in training sessions amongst our corporate, corporate client base. Excellent. Chris, we're all very eager to hear what Delta has to say. So thank you very much. April with SH Hotels, what is the kind of the current state at one hotels and how that might intersect with the meetings business as well? Yes, very similar to at Delta, you know, at One Hotels, we've, we've really been seeing a shift over the last month or so, which you spoke about, you know, with the vaccines coming out, it's really building a lot more confidence in travelers with our, you know, meeting and event planners. Um, we have over the last, you know, period of time, six months or so, a lot of it was very short term business. And we're starting to see that the interest and the willing of commitment to book further out. So very positive as well as the type of business, you know, now really seeing more of the traditional corporate willingness to at least 
the bookings are coming in. Um, contracts are now finally being signed. So it's a very positive turn throughout all of our properties, particularly the wedding segment is, was something that was very strong and continues um, lots of rides. And um, it's just really great to see kind of a lot of the business coming back and at least interest being there as people do become more and more comfortable with the state of the world. So. Thank you very much. That's great news to hear. And curious from Alex Murphy. Alex, what are your clients experiencing as you're sourcing events for them? Right. So thanks, Mike. Um, we're definitely seeing some shifting. Um, our tech clients, education clients are not ready to travel yet in 2021, but we are seeing positive signs altogether. We currently are hosting about one event per month, and we are celebrating our first overflow block in Florida. Very excited about that. And fall business looks actually quite good. We are closely working with each hotel, city, county to learn about their ever-changing guidelines, requirements, safety protocols. Um, clients are excited to look into the future again. And we are actually working on multiple RFPs with Teneo as well uh, for fall 21 all the way up to um, 2026. Um, so clients are excited. Things we are seeing very nice changes. Um, the only market right now, um, which is kind of on a standstill, understandably, is the international event market, um, which is not really happening in 2021. But we're hoping that can pick back up in 2022. Excellent. Thank you so much, Alex. And I particularly like the plug that you had there with Taneo. Thank you very much. In the hotel community within Taneo, we are transitioning to this next phase of face-to-face -face meetings. Our business volumes are up. More member inquiries are happening. Current members are seeking ways to re-engage with our client audience. Clients are leaning on us more and in the future is becoming a little bit more visible for all of us. Yet at the same time, our clients, members, and partners are managing a lot of this increased demand with far less people. And there's also shift, shifts taking place in many different sectors. I wanted to ask Brad uh, with Platinum BMC, what shifts are you seeing and how is Platinum BMC and its partners able to manage through this changing landscape given that COVID-19 has so many different scenarios around the world? Well, thank you so much for that question, Mike. Um, and just so people know, my company exclusively represents international DMCs. So what I say is um, has an international uh, bent to it. But I am pleased to say that all of our DMCs have survived this pandemic and are going to come out the other side. So I'm uh, very grateful for that. Um, many of our DMCs are looking uh, to regional markets. So for example, in France, in the south of France, they've created a network of French suppliers to the mice industry, and they collectively are marketing to the French market. So that's one thing that, that uh, DMCs have been doing. Another one is, you know, early on in the pandemic, we asked ourselves, when international travel comes back, what is it going to look like? And I think we all agree that leisure travel is uh, the first, it's already happening. And then we said, now, what is that going to do to incentive travel. And so we created a product with our DMCs called Lifestyle Individual Incentive Travel for companies that may want to uh, offer individual travel incentives versus group travel incentives. So we designed these around lifestyles like adventure or food and wine. 
and we've posted them. We've created a catalog and we've been getting a fair amount of interest um, in this product. And our DMCs are well positioned to work on this because they know what incentive travel is. And then I would say all of our DMCs are getting, whether they like it or not, involved in virtual in some way or another. Uh, for example, yesterday morning, my DMC in Argentina called and she was in Mendoza. She had a staff person in Iguazu Falls and Buenos Aires, and they were creating a virtual site inspection for a client um, for a proposal that they had just presented. Last night, I sat in on a virtual experience with a group of Canadians. They're like a high-end travel club, and they've been doing once a month uh, virtual experiences. And last night, my DMC in India created a virtual experience in a place called Varanasi. And it was a mixture of live video with uh, live commentary over it. So they're all getting creative, adapting. Um, but that being said, since the first of the year, we have been seeing a significant increase in um, RFPs coming for international travel, which I think bodes well for um, group travel in even late this year, but in 2022 and beyond. So thanks. Excellent. Thank you, thank you so much. And necessity is the mother of invention, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well said. The, the past 12 months have seen a massive transformation and emergence into virtual meetings with hybrid meetings now also part of the mix. So I want to ask Tim, uh, how is Vario currently running? What changes are taking place? And what do you see for the future? Also, Tim, how are you managing the demand from a staffing point? Because we know things are much different than they were 12 months ago for you. For sure. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So first and foremost, thankfully, Vario was set up to be a live broadcasting business prior to the pandemic. And that actually allowed us to be in a good position when all of this came down last March. Um, so we already had the experience. We had the technology. And because of that, we actually had to more than double our staff over the last 12 months to keep up because there were only a couple of companies who were in the space and able to uh, to support the virtual and hybrid needs. So one of the things to consider with a virtual meeting and a hybrid meeting is you have to understand that it's similar to running a news broadcast. When you think about all the people behind the scenes to ensure a successful news broadcast, and if your local station still runs credits at the end of each broadcast, you'll see that there's an executive producer, teleprompter operators, graphics, stream techniers, engineers for all different variables. So from a staffing perspective, we've really had to reinvent our core staff and bring on the types of positions that wouldn't traditionally have been part of a live event production company, which is primarily what our role was pre-pandemic. So over 90% of our business shifted from in-person to virtual. And that was a big difference when it comes to staffing and equipment. I mean, over the course of the last six months, we've acquired hundreds of thousands of dollars of live broadcast equipment, technology, and, and staff, for, that, for lack of a better description, to really keep up with what clients are needing. So understanding as well that a lot of clients, meeting planners and marketing managers, they don't necessarily have the knowledge yet of how to produce a virtual or hybrid meeting. So ultimately, we are there to support them and educate them. A, a typical meeting planner can, can have a, an in-person meeting and they can do it in their sleep. But now in this virtual world, we're all dealing with technology and some of us are better than others. So 
we found that uh, ultimately we become more of an educator than anything in this space. And so ultimately the future says that there's always going to be a hybrid component. So for those that want to embrace the, the hybrid, it's going to be here for a while. And if you're reluctant, then you know, we need to talk about what does that mean for you and your organization. So ultimately, hybrid meetings came up, are, are coming about because of the need for a two-way interaction between those that are on site and those that are at home. So you need to really consider the experience for both audiences. Very interesting. So the, the past year has been quite a whirlwind and uh, on the positive side. So congratulations. For some, now, yes. You know, we're talking about staffing and managing demand and all these things. And so I was curious with April, with all the different uh, properties across the country and so forth, how is SH Hotel, one hotel's brand, how are they managing through this time period, you know, from a staffing and from a business standpoint? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, one thing that we really had to do is, you know, make sure that first, most importantly, the client's needs are being met. Um, but with with the world that we were in, I mean, certainly there was a lot of collaboration that needed to take place and has taken place, particularly on the sales side, but just on the properties in general. So, um, you know, we have made sure that certainly our people are taken care of throughout um, and meeting the client needs. And one thing we did make sure within like our, our teams is that we always have had representatives and people to be able to help support the business needs with myself, of course, being very much the trenches throughout and making sure that we were able to contact, reach out to clients, certainly um, checking to see how they were doing throughout the process was really important to us. And as soon as we did close our doors throughout the, the when it was kind of at its worst, behind the scenes, we were doing a lot of things to get ready so that when we did reopen. So for us, it's always been a very kind of a response of how can we make it better for our people internally? How can we have outreach to clients and make sure that their needs are being met. Needs are being met, and how can we be be ready to welcome them back, um, whether it be our transient guests or certainly you know through our our meeting and event centers. So it's been a rocky time, and now things are hopefully smoothing out a little bit. So thank you, April. Yeah. You know, the meetings industry is so important for us to ensure safety. It's our number one priority. What are the latest actions taking place to accomplish this so that we can see a full return to meetings? And I'd like to ask that question to Chris Rossi of Delta Airlines and how they are restoring faith to the travelers. Thanks, Mike. Well, we're early on in the, in the pandemic, in the early months of the pandemic, we created the Delta Care Standard Program. And the purpose for the Delta Care Standard Program is really to restore traveler trust and, and traveler confidence in the travel experience. And so while there are over 100 elements to our care standard program, I'd like to talk about some of the more prominent ones, particularly those that affect the, the travelers when, when they're in, throughout their journey, airport, airplane, upon landing as well. So things like requiring masks uh, for the journey now are standard. Early on, they weren't. It was sort of arbitrary. Those are standard practices now. Social distancing at the airport markers uh, right from the time you come into the terminal so that we can keep, keep good social distance practices uh, for our passengers right as they go through check-in, through the TSA security, right to the boarding area. And in the boarding area, we, we continue to do a, a boarding from back to front on the airplane so that we can keep that as orderly and as seamless as possible for, for our guests when they're traveling and boarding a flight. 
We also have, uh, we early on, and we continue to keep the middle seat blocked on all of our flights on our aircraft. And we have, we've been committed to that through the end of April. And that has been a real confidence builder. Although it doesn't ensure six feet social distancing on board the plane, it has given, given quite a bit of confidence for passengers when, when they board. We are also electrostatic spraying all of our airplanes on every flight during every turn. So we built some extra ground time in between flights so that we can spray all of the customer surfaces, the touch point surfaces on the airplanes, including the laboratories and bathrooms. So those are some significant things that are not just here for the course of the pandemic. Many of these things will last and will be evergreen and will continue throughout, you know, throughout time. We've also stood up a cleanliness division within Delta reporting into our customers, our chief of customer experience. Uh, and along with that, I believe we were the first airline to actually hire a chief health officer. We've hired Dr. Henry Ting back in January. And Dr. Ting was one of the lead physicians working with us at the Mayo Clinic. So part of the Delta Care Standard Program has been partnering with leading organizations such as the Mayo Clinic, Emory University, Lysol, CVS Healthcare, and that has also enabled us to put in a very robust testing program for our employees, particularly our frontline employees, and also giving them access to, to vaccinations as well. So we've, we have pivoted quite, quite clearly from a, a commercial interest uh, at the beginning of the pandemic to ensuring travel trust and confidence with our Delta Care Standard Program. Chris, that was quite an answer. Thank you. That really was amazing and really very much appreciate that. Thank you. On to Alex. Alex, what are you looking for when sourcing events and what do your clients want to see from venues, airlines, and destinations from a cleanliness standpoint today as you're looking at these, you know, third and fourth quarter events that you plan on booking? Right. Um, first, we are just so excited to actively source again. And I think what we are doing right now, our team is just really be on an outreach. We all know that the hotel industry has suffered greatly. So for us, whenever an RFP goes out, um, we are really trying to reach out to see, okay, how are you guys doing? How is the hotel doing? And kind of to reestablish that relationship. And we are doing the same with the convention bureaus, just to really better understand their situation and position since we're all in this together. What our clients specifically are looking for right now is definitely from a destination standpoint, um, a destination which is safe and open, attractive, perhaps helps grow attendance, um, a destination which partners with us and our clients to help market the city, and perhaps offer some incentives if it's a rebate or a destination incentive. Um, also a destination which helps and supports site inspections, if that's virtually or in person. From a venue, we are definitely looking for that flexibility since none of us know how to forecast right now. Um, we don't really know how, you know, how quickly numbers will pick up. Um, we are looking for overall flexibility in regards to attrition, release periods, food and beverage minimums, just overall liability. We have definitely noticed our clients are much more open to book specifically for this year if the liability is reduced. And many of our clients also definitely, they're looking at space, um, extensive space, space permitting for social distancing, outdoor space specifically. So I would say for us, for clients, key states of interest have been 
Florida, Texas, Arizona, all the warm states, all the states which have opened up quite a bit. In regard to the airlines, I feel like Delta Airlines has done a fantastic job in, in regards to safety protocols, the same for the hotels. So we are definitely excited. We, I feel like our industry has is cleaner and safer than it ever has been. Um, we are just excited to book the future. Excellent. That's really interesting. And I think it's really amazing how you're reaching out to hotels and CBDs and reconnecting with the relationships. And I think, you know, in this day and age, we all need a pat on the back, Alex. And so that's really, I really appreciate the words. Uh, Brad, where can clients look to internationally that will see the meetings industry come back the quickest, in your opinion? Well, I think initially um, in this first stage of international travel, our neighbors are going to benefit the most. And by neighbors, I mean Mexico and Canada, the Caribbean, probably Costa Rica and Hawaii, which I sort of lump in with international destinations. I think those will be the first wave of international travel. And then I think what clients are going to be looking for is if I'm taking a group someplace, I need to make sure that they have a strong healthcare infrastructure in place. So I think Western Europe will be um, that next wave. You know, I can see Ireland and the UK and Scotland being um, hot. Uh, The Irish Tourist Board is very aggressive in assisting with funding uh, site inspections, virtual or in person, and also uh, funding a portion of the program costs to make enhancements. So I think that will come into play. I can see destinations, say for example, Ireland. I could see uh, a more remote property being attractive initially where there's lots of outdoor space and um, space in general versus a city center hotel in, in Dublin perhaps, maybe Provence in France versus Paris. Um, speaking of healthcare, I was talking to my DMC in Costa Rica yesterday and their government has come up with a program which could turn into a trend where you can purchase a supplemental healthcare insurance policy prior to going to Costa Rica and whether it's COVID or anything else, if you end up needing health care, it's 100% covered there. Now, when we talk about long-haul destinations, I can see Australia, New Zealand sort of becoming uh, hot. They've done such a tremendous job of uh, controlling COVID. They've really sealed their borders and vaccinating their populations. So I could see a resurgence in that part of the world. So that being said, I think when travel resumes, um, when it's safe to go anywhere, people are, have been penned up and they have a pent up demand to explore the world again and celebrate normal. (laughs) Celebrate normal. I love it. That's awesome. Thank thank you. That was great. On to April. April, what does demand and availability look like in your world in the back half of this year? and into the first quarter of 2022. I'm curious, uh, how's it all looking? We hear so much about compression and dates and all these things, but usually it's a tale of of which city. But I'm just curious, just on a maybe general standpoint, how are things looking for you? 
I mean, overall, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's certainly the demand is there and we're, we're starting to really see that with, um, you know, we had, of course, existing bookings already on the books for, you know, the end of the year going into next. Um, a combination of those with all of the programs that we worked with our, you know, um, clients and customers for rebooking. Um, as well as the new bookings coming in, it certainly is causing compression, particularly in cities such as like our, you know, our South Beach, our Brooklyn property is, is experienced that as well a lot. So, you know, it, it does definitely depend on the city, but overall, it's kind of the same theme where things had been, you know, we worked several times. Um, the team worked very closely with clients and, you know, some things had needed to be moved multiple times in order to kind of have a date that clients feel most comfortable with. So they've had to, um, you know, we really accommodated and certainly just based upon everything that's happening, we're very understanding and wanted to work with with clients. So, you know, there has been a lot of that that has caused um, compression. We still have availability and certainly look forward to being able to solidify more business. And for us, you know, kind of really listening to what Chris saying about with Delta and Alex of, you know, the needs, I mean, it is been very big focus for us is all about the safety that you feel when you're on property and creating that environment where when clients do walk in, they feel safe. Um, the environment certainly has always been very important to us just with our brand. But now more than ever, you know, we've created positions where it's like an environmental safety director at each property that to really make sure. And this was back in July, you know, like I said, when we were closed for those couple of months, we really looked at all ways that and what do we need to do to do the check boxes of what are requirements from local government, but also how can we really make it a safe environment for our team members as well as, as guests coming on property. And so all of those things have been done. And that really, I think, just also helps us because we have been doing this all along. So the clients and people that we've been in contact with, I think, feel better than ever with us, and certainly then, you know, are are contacting us in booking business for that period of time. So, yeah, I, I'm hearing that quite a bit. Where you know, people are rebooking events and rebooking events and rebooking events. So <laughs> hang in there; we, Love, you know, it's getting better. Yeah, um, it is. So thank you. With many planners trying to figure out how best to host their event. I wanted to ask Tim with Mario, what is the optimum recipe for a hybrid event? In other words, can you tell our audience some key elements that are vital to ensure a quality experience for a hybrid meeting, Tim? Because we're all kind of doing them a little differently and wanted to kind of check in with you on that question. Sure. And it's a great question and it's a loaded one. So thanks. <laughs> um, what's optimum? Really, what's optimum is an equal experience for the in-person attendee and the at-home attendee. That's that's what we need to be to equalize that experience. For any of us who've sat in on a virtual conference over these past couple of months, we know that it's nowhere near equalized. So it's just the very quick and dirty is optimum is everybody feels like they are in a person attendance, even though they're not physically there. How do we get there, though? That's really the, the crux of the conversation. How do we get to a place where we feel like the value is there for the in-person and the at-home? Um, so I some qualifying questions to ask are, you know, what elements, elements of your event can actually be hybrid? So are you going to have your cocktail party hybrid? Are you going to broadcast that out to the world? Are you going to take your 12-person your board meeting and make that hybrid? Well, possibly, possibly can. Um, but also, do you go with a full production crew in order to make sure that the production value is very, very high 
or do we use some of the very inexpensive video software tools like Zoom, Teams, and WebEx? Are you going to broadcast the breakouts or maybe just the general session? Overall, budgets haven't changed. From the associations, at least, that we talked to, what they can spend on their events hasn't changed from when they did their in-person event in early 2020 to what they're trying to do for their virtual or hybrid event in 21 and 22. So that, that revenue really isn't much different. So how do you give them a hybrid experience when you know that hybridizing an event costs money? Cameras, lighting, additional crew, the live stream engineers, your actual platform where the event is happening, all of those variables cost money. So do you rob from Peter to pay for Paul? Do you take money away from the in-person attendees experience? Do you go from steak down to chicken because you need to give money back to the hybrid portion of your meeting? Those are real important topics and questions to, to think about. And ultimately, can the venue support this hybrid meeting? Are the bandwidth requirements? I mean, we heard about some international destinations. Some international destinations might not be able to support a hybrid meeting. We've had challenges with some countries not supporting virtual because their countries block via firewall connectivity. So there's a lot of questions that a planner has to start asking when thinking about how do you optimize the quality of your, your hybrid experience? Because number one, you have to find the online venue, right? The platform that will give you that experience that the in-person venue, the hotel, convention center, et cetera, is giving to those folks there on site. So meeting planners really need to educate themselves as to number one, what can be made hybrid? Number two, has my budget changed? And will I be able to support a quality experience for the hybrid audience, the people at home? Because if I can't give them a quality experience, my suggestion, and I'm being selfish, don't do it at all because ultimately you're trying to create you're trying to create a solution but if you can't do it right then maybe it's not the best time to go hybrid if you can do it right but on a on a budget friendly way great do it you don't always have to go for the academy awards level of production but you definitely need to think about what does it look like if i'm sitting at home and that's what i would just say is think about the overall quality from a standpoint if i'm sitting here at home do I feel the energy? Do I feel the love that I would get if I was in person? And if I can't get those close to being equal, hybrid might not be the best option for your type of meeting. Excellent. So when you say like amazing production, you're, you're kind of like talking like a Tineo webinar type of thing. Exactly. You, you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You know, there's so many things happening right now in the meetings world to bring safety to planners and to attendees. And it's across the board. And, you know, we're going to start to see apps with people's health records on them. And I think all different types of things are going to be emerging in the coming months. Uh, it's really an exciting time. And, you know, on the airline side, Chris, do you think any of the current precautions that the airlines are doing right now will become permanent? And um, will that have any effect, you think, on group events? Thanks, Mike. I do, actually. I, particularly those, those elements that I mentioned earlier on the Delta Care Standard that involve the customer experience on the air, at the airports and on the airplanes. So, 
So social distancing, the spraying of surfaces, I, I do think those are here to stay. Middle seat block, I know many of the other airlines have, have stopped that. You know, that is probably not a long-term uh, situation for Delta as well, but many of the elements that we've put in place are, are long-term. I think one other thing, which is not necessarily a safety or a security uh, aspect, is the elimination of change fees on tickets, I think, will also help group and meeting travel as well. We're, you know, we're committed to being as flexible as we can with our meeting plan and our travel agency partners in booking groups. So I think you'll, you'll, you'll see that that will continue on as well. I think that is a here to stay uh, change that has come about through the pandemic as well. Excellent. Thank you very much. So April, curious from an opinion standpoint and, and maybe even within uh, SH hotels and one hotels, do, do you see some of the changes that are happening out there uh, more permanent within the four walls of uh, SH hotels? Yeah, I mean, we really do. I mean, one thing that I, through all of this is that, you know, we feel that definitely it's made us better for who we are. It's, we've had to dig deep. And obviously, as I was saying before, kind of, you know, to make sure from that guest experience, from our team members experience, as we opened up our, we have obviously several existing properties, we have three new opening properties within this next year. So for us, you know, it's very much a focus on that combination of like, how do we actually make sure that this becomes a little bit of our blueprint as we're opening up these new hotels. You know, obviously one hotel Toronto is in June, one hotel Nashville is in November, Conway Bay is going to be kind of Q1 of next year. So it's really for us and many others within our pipeline. So for us, it's really about balancing these procedures that we know are bringing comfort to our guests as the existing properties, as we bring get business back and our team members back, which is also very important to us to really incorporate them within our new opening properties and um, within the different markets as well. So definitely feel that creating a safe environment is part of our responsibility and will continue with a lot of the same measures and feel that within our industry, they're here to stay for at least several years until, you know, the people just overall feel better and safer, you know, with masks and wands of cleaning and, you know, just all sorts of the technical side that we want to make sure that we're providing that as well as with and just having a wonderful experience on property. Well, it has been a quick near hour for, for our call. And I think one of the things that, that's so interesting is the level of optimism on, on this call and with everybody on the call. In addition to, I think, all the seriousness of, of how we take everybody on the call, take safety and the care of attendees and guests. It, it, it's really quite interesting. And as we move out of this every day, there continues to be, like there is on this call, positive uh, information and, and progress being made. And, um, you know, one, one thing about all our panelists today is that they're great partners of the Tenaille Hospitality Group. And we're really grateful that they're able to take some time today to share their views with us and with you, our audience. And um, hopefully, you know, as uh, the, the months continue, uh, we'll be re-engaging and talking a little bit more about the trends that are coming our way. So I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. And wishing you a great remainder of the week. Take care.
This is our podcast, Teneo Talks Hospitality. Thank you all for listening. For more episodes, please visit podcast.teneohg.com. Cheers, everybody.